0: The other side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. Welcome to another episode of The Other Side Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Kirk, along with my co-host, Lucas Sullivan. And uh, as usual, we have a great show for you today. First, we're going to be talking to Cerise Allen, who is the owner of a private investigator firm, Magnify Investigations, here in Columbus. And then we're going to close everything out with back by Popular Demand, the world famous trivia game show.
1: So you're we're going to get all angry. And then we're going to end and with it. I
0: want to get you riled up, but I want to send you no, home no, on a...
1: No, what you want to do is you want to get me riled up, and then you want to try to make me look like a fool by <laughs> playing a game. That's what you want to make yourself feel better. I mean,
0: if you know your civics, then you, there's no way for I me to make you look like a fool. I, I don't really know Patrick, go that. to the tape. <laughs> uh, so anyway, <laughs> well, well, you know what? We'll see. You're doing yeah. all this talking now, so yeah. we'll see when the game okay. gets played. I'm excited about this one.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm excited about this episode because uh, Cerise, is she's got her hands in everything that is important, I think, in the community, especially in the black community. And we first met at a, it was kind of like a little corner party at a barbershop. Oh, this Southside Cookout. This outside Cookout. Yeah. And uh, Cerise, which I know has become just her style, she just kind of grabbed me. And then we started talking, like she just jumped right in about some of the important stuff and some of the stuff she was mad about at the time. And I was like, okay, so since then. Then we've had uh, Zach Rosen, we've had Henry Green, we've had Tyree King, we've had the latest issue with Chief Jacobs and a state legislator calling for her resignation and over some of the issues. So, but what I wanted to talk about first was why are you so passionate about this and why do you put yourself out there? Because this is a question that I often get asked when people say, who's that and why did you quote them and why are you so passionate.
2: Well, because there's a need. There's not too many black private investigators around here, number one. And so when you're dealing with civil rights issues and people who are already scared of the police, there's not a lot of private agencies that can go in and really communicate with the community and get their, you know, their story out there. And that's kind of where I come in. I've built a really good foundation with the community. So they trust me. They're willing to talk to me. And that's really important because in a, in a lot of times you find in these police cases, you know, the no snitching policy. But when I come around, they talk. And that's really important because if they don't have an avenue to even get this out, we're going to continue in the same cycle. So... I've done a lot with just going in in civil rights cases, criminal cases. I've went back and got my certification in crime scene investigation. So I'm able to do exactly what the police are able to do. And so a lot of times my attorneys that I work for, they'll call me in. And a big part of my job is going out and finding witnesses on these cases. And that's really, really difficult to do when the community is not willing to communicate with you. So, you know, the police say their job is hard in that aspect, but it is. But the flip side of that is they've caused that. There's no reason to talk to people that you're scared of. And Mm -hmm. the community is legitimately scared of the police. We've done a lot of canvassing with organizers and I'm sure, you know, People Justice Project. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting with them is they went through the Linden community. They did a canvas with the people, you know, in the community and they took a survey. And one of the things that the community said, even the younger people, that they really feel their community needs is crisis intervention, which I find so interesting because that is the same community that refuses to call the police if something goes wrong. Mm. So I don't think it's a the community doesn't know that they need the police. But if you can't trust them, then where do you go? So that's where I come in.
0: I'm curious. So first, how did you get into this line of work? And two, since you you're obviously you're very passionate about the community and issues going on in the community. What made you why didn't you become, for instance, a community activist or join, you know, uh, a community organization versus the line of work that you're in?
2: I had a choice. And that's the truth. I can either be an activist or I can be a private investigator. I really cannot do both. And for obvious reasons, I don't want anybody to think that I'm steering or, you know, trying to create a motive out of all of this, because obviously it's going to go to court. And you just can't do that. You have to be able to be biased. And I feel like this is my form of activism. This is my way that I walk with God through my job. So I would like to be out in the streets ordinarily, but that's just not what I'm here for. Somebody has to be able to conduct these investigations and conduct them well. And I'm, I do a really good job at that. So, you know, and that's how I make my living. And I just chose to stick with that. But I have been told by many of my attorneys, I have to make a choice. So I chose this.
1: What is it like to be a woman? I mean, not just a black woman, but a woman in this field where I'm sure you there's some intimidation given where you step into situations.
2: Well, for me, I think more I'm just a little bit more experienced. I'm not you know, I'm not worried about any situation. I I don't think as a private investigator, you can have a whole lot of fear. Mm. (laughs) You have to be able to kind of mingle with people and fit into any situation. And I can do that. I think the bigger issue for me as a woman has been able to secure the type of contracts that I feel that I want. And I feel like I get shafted on that end. Not only just being a woman, but being a black woman. I don't think I'm taken serious as a private investigator. Our world is kind of consistent of old, white, retired cops. I mean, most of the owners are that. I, it took me forever to get someone to let me intern just so I can own my own business. Mm. So it's just a matter of getting people to take you serious. But I've, I've put my foot down in that, you know, in this market. I think people know who I am. I went back and got my education to make sure that, you know, I'm a good investigator. So and I don't do cheating cases because I know that's what everybody thinks. This is Everybody about. thinks
0: a private investigator is tracking down a cheating spouse, right? Oh. oh, you don't do cheat well thank you for coming in we I, appreciate I, I'm, I'm just kidding I'm just kidding
2: no I will do a cheating case. let me tell you
1: Scott Scott was hoping to
0: maybe I want give the you some I, do, I want the juice I, I was I was just waiting till we got you know I wanted to get oh she's the got very, juice it's, very, what, it's whether she wants to talk about you know about the it or important not. meaningful stuff so I could ask you about the dirty stuff the the gritty stuff later but you know <laughs> well
2: let me say this we have a huge Somalian community here. We have a huge Asian community here. We have so many different type of communities. And I bring that up because I don't do too many cheating cases, but I will do those cases. The African community and the Indian community, they can't just get a divorce like we can. They can't just walk in, the, you know, a courthouse and file for a divorce. They have to have real solid proof. And they'll pay private investigators for months of work just so that they can prove to their families that they're being cheated on so that they can get a divorce. And I will take those cases only because they're just great cases, but they're prolonged cases on top of that. But it's just so exhausting to do cheating cases. I don't care how much information I give someone. I can show them coming out of the hotel room. I can show them the prostitutes they bought on page, and they will never, ever get a divorce. It just goes on and on. So, so you do so
1: you do the investigation and then you hand them the information and then they don't do anything with
0: it.
2: No. They'll probably call me in 6 months and ask me to do it again. To do the same same, Same type work. of investigation work.
0: Well, maybe for some people, they just want to know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to take action. I'm with you because I'm kind of like, why would you want to know if you're not going to actually do and something And pay
2: thousands with for yeah. it. Yeah. Thousands to figure this information out and they don't do anything with
0: it. Is it hard to track someone doing this kind of stuff?
2: No. I mean, people are a creature of habit. If they're already cheating, they're just cheating.
0: Who's better at cheating, men or women?
2: Oh, definitely women. Definitely. I agree with that. Yeah.
0: I- because...
2: Well, because we're just not disrespectful about it as far as I'm concerned. We know how to hide our other <laughs> partner, I guess. So we just do a better job at it. I mean, it's, you know, I think part of it is being able to cheat and tell your other person not to uh, say anything. And we can kind of get that under control. It seems like a little bit better than men. And I think because women are so emotional, they get wrapped up in these relationships and then they want to take to social me- Social media is a killer of relationships. It yeah, really is. Yeah, it is. Like, I really can just fall back on following people and follow them on social media and figure out everything i need to know really yeah people are just out on social media they're i mean when you have one woman liking a hundred pictures and then you're trying to figure out who he's cheating with just find the one who's liking a hundred pictures all day every day and it's not the wife it just gets really obvious
1: i want to take that makes sense where does this sense of fearlessness come from from you
2: i don't know my gun goes Everywhere I go, what you gonna do with it? What kind of gun do you have? I have a nine, I have a 22, I have a 45. I have a collection of guns, and
1: you but you just take one with you, when
2: yeah. You're my out. nine for okay. the most
0: part. I, I like the way you, she's my nine. You're like so just very nonchalant
2: about it. Well, this is night. the thing is I, that what
1: you call it your nine, or do you have a name for
2: it? Lucy. Mm. Oh, so Lucy and me go everywhere. Sounds, together. Sounds like just, a sweet sounds girl, gentle. gentle. <laughs> yeah. Don't play with yeah. her though, she's yeah. not nice. She blew so, your head off, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean. This is the thing. I am a big advocate of open carry. I feel like everybody should open carry. I don't feel like you should conceal your weapons. I feel like, first of all, that is a, the number one killer for black people. If we conceal our weapons and the police come around, we're dead. So I feel like carry open. People don't bother me when I carry my gun open. And it's, you know who the who doesn't bother me is the police.
0: Really? Never.
2: I mean, first of all, we're an open carry state. There's no need to hide a weapon. And I'm starting to notice people are starting to carry more. Often, but but what
0: does that accomplish? Like, why do I? Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. so you and I, we're in a public space, Mm -hmm. right? You're armed. Mm -hmm. Why do I need to know that as a person who's just in that space with you? Why do you need to brandish your weapon? Because if you need to use the weapon like I don't know, I I just I kind of wonder sometimes when I see like people and they're sort of like walking around, their gun is out. I just kind of think why?
2: It's because you're not used to it. But if you go to other states, this is really, really common. It's not a matter of why. It's just, first of all, I'm a woman. I don't like hiding my gun because it makes my clothes bulky. I know that's not a reason, but that's my reason. Okay. So I carry open for that reason as well. It's easier to get to if you need it. Okay. And in my job, I've I've almost been robbed twice on the streets just trying to interview people. So, you know, it's kind of important to know safety. What if you
0: were just, it's Saturday, you're going to Walmart. I mean, would you? I don't carry my
2: gun then. Okay. I got hands. I okay. can use them. Okay, that makes sense. I
0: yeah. mean, you, some people, you know, are, they want to take their, their firearm no matter where they go, whether it's church. Well, that was my father. Okay. That's
2: where I got that from. I mean, my father was the same way. He carried open my whole life. I was never scared of guns. My children aren't scared of guns. My my children are funny because every time they see a no gun sign, they bust me out like, Mom, you cannot bring your gun in there. And it's so embarrassing because it's on the school. So every time I walk in, they they've had to pull me aside. My kids are just not, you know, they're just like me. So did you grow up around here? I did. I'm from Columbus.
0: Okay. And life. where? so where'd you go to school?
2: Oh, let's go down the list. I went to Columbus School for Girls. I went to Bishop Hartley, and then I wound up graduating from Reynoldsburg.
0: Were you voted most likely to carry a gun and investigate people?
2: I was probably voted most likely to <laughs> fail, to be <laughs> honest with you. I got kicked out of every single school. I got kicked out of Columbus School for Girls. For Why? Me. I was literally militant back then. Um, you don't say. I, you don't say. Yeah, I was militant. Um, I remember the Ku Klux Klan had a rally. At the state house and I snuck out of school, went down to the rally. How old are you at this time? I think I was like 14 at the time okay. and snuck out of school, went down to the rally. I was all excited to cuss them out. And then the news came there and my parents saw me on the news.
0: You got on the news?
2: <laughs> I, not on purpose. They were there. You skipped
0: school and then yeah. were on the news. Wait, did you I get was.
1: interviewed or did they just pan over? They pan so.
2: over. My parents saw me and they, yeah, they wrecked my life for a long time <laughs> over that.
1: Um, well what did, what did your how did your parents react to that?
2: They were very upset. My parents are the type though that they're not they're not like me at all. They're like stay out of the way, don't put yourself in danger.
0: What's one situation that you were the most scared in your in my line of yeah, work? In your line of work.
2: Oh, I've had a gun put to my head before by just somebody robbing just somebody in the neighborhood that was robbing. Yeah, I, I think he was just robbing people and he put a gun to my head before. That was probably the most traumatic experience for me. And literally. Did you ex- kill him? I did not. You know, it's funny. Well, um I, mean, I didn't know did if it was him. Did you have him? a gun to did your you, head? Did you have Lucy? Did, you, did Lucy come out? You know what's funny? I did she have, got Lucy after that. I did that. have Lucy that day, but Lucy was in the seat of my car, what? not on me. Now you see why I carry it on me. If but I had it on working. me, he would not have But done you were
0: working, that. so you should have had it on you.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Technically, yeah. I wasn't expecting that to happen. But if you were
0: at the movies, probably
2: not. Probably not. No. Yeah. I don't like carrying it when my kids are around. So that didn't shake you? Like, after that experience, you were like, maybe this is not... That's traumatic. I mean, yeah, that shook me. I mean, I go to counseling. I mean, first of all, that is not even as traumatic as my cases, to be honest with you. I deal with a lot of death cases. I do murder cases, civil rights cases. I mean, I deal with a lot of black mothers that have lost their sons to not only violence, but police violence. And so... You know, a lot of people get desensitized to that. They see these videos going around and it's just another video. But when you're working these cases and you interview these witnesses and these mothers and these fathers and you see the corruption, that takes a toll on you. Like, I have to invest in my own mental health every single month.
1: It's important. So what are the couple or one case that's taken a real toll on you Mm. that you handled?
2: I would say Henry Green and Tyree King would be the two.
1: I mean, other than the facts that the public knows, what just shakes you? Is it is it seeing their mothers and talking to them? Like what when you when you think about those boys and and that they they were just kids, Mm -hmm. what do you think about?
2: I think it was senseless. You know, I feel like. If a better officer was in that situation, those boys would be alive today. As far as the mothers are concerned, the parents, rather, are concerned because both of those, you know, boys had their mother and their father. They don't have a lot of time to grieve. And I think that's kind of, you know, the part that people miss in all of this. You know, they their kids end up in the hospital from being shot multiple times. And I don't know if the public knows this, but whenever something like that happens with the police and they end up in the hospital, you don't get to see your children before they die. They don't let you in there. They're under police custody, whether they've done anything wrong or not. There's a lot of cases that they don't talk about on the news where someone's been shot in a hospital and the family can't see them and the police don't even charge them. Once they're discharged, they're they're discharged. There was no reason for them to even be shot. And so with these families... Those boys were in the hospital dying and their parents couldn't see them before they died. You know, they have no answers. They don't know what's going on. And that's pretty traumatic. And then you go from knowing that your child has died. You have to bury them, And now you have to advocate for them. There's just no grieving for these parents. And so it's it's good that you have these organizations that link up with them and help them. But that part is pretty tough.
1: Switching gears for a second. We've talked about this before, and I see a lot of it on social media. When there is a officer involved shooting of a black man or a black woman, the media reports come out, you know, within, you know, an hour or two or three. And I've seen some discussion and want to get your thoughts on the fact that the way the media quotes the police and quotes the officers. And I know there are some people in a black community that feel that the media takes the police account first and just runs with it. I agree with that. And I just... I know you agree with that, but I wonder my job, just you have a job. I have a job. Mm -hmm. My job is to go out and gather information and gather the facts and try to discern what what is factual and what isn't. So when you have an official statement from the police department, how would you like to see that handled differently by the media in terms of how they report that into the story?
2: Well, would you like is- us to
1: say the police version or the police account is this, but no one from the other side? Like, do you want wording? Do You not want us to quote them at all? Like, how do you want that to play out?
2: No, I want you to quote them. I want you to catch every single lie that you can <laughs> catch. No, quote them. But this is my thing. I'm an investigator and I investigate. So when I see the media make comments, I know for a fact are not true. And I know that they can get that information with just a little bit of research. It is frustrating because obviously you're speaking and giving a message to thousands of people who already are on the police side as it is. I mean, there are so many people I don't, to be quite honest, I don't care what anyone does. The police for the most part are always in the right to the jury panels. If you look at all of the news outlets and their Facebook pages and all the comments that are being made, I mean, people are like, shoot them, kill them. Glad one more thugs off the street. I mean, they can they literally be a it. Harvard graduate <laughs> yeah. graduate and they're like, get the thug off the street. You know, it. it's just so when you paint these, I feel like the media actually paints the image for the police, puts them in a better light. And it's not factual. It's just not factual. So I would just appreciate them just doing a little bit more work. And before you quote the police, let me just look into what the police is actually saying. That's the thing. I don't even know if it goes any further than that. I mean you can quote them all day but I mean that's if it's not factual it's not factual and people truly believe what the news says i do you know how many people come up to me but the news said what does that mean did you do any of your own research and you can it's not that difficult as a private investigator a lot of what i do is public records so it's not you know it's a matter of taking the police's word for it versus looking at the statement that they wrote or looking at the body cam footage and you can see it's completely different than the statement that they just gave the news and i feel like even when the news has that on their side they don't go back and correct it they don't say hey Officer, why did you say this to me on this day, but on your body cam footage, it to show something else? I never see that type of confrontation. I feel like that comes from the community.
1: I'm not trying to pin you down. I'm not arguing with you, but I'm just wondering if you have any examples of, you know, whether it was, you know, in this community or you've seen in other communities where the media just flat out, you know, didn't live up to its obligation to be fair and balanced. Or just reported things that were just completely, I'm just, I'm just wondering because people like to hear examples. If you don't have any, we can move on. But I know like in the Tyree King shooting, okay, the immediate narrative after that was that he was running away. Correct. Or that he, that he, he had had a, the officer saw him with a gun and then he, there was some kind of fleeing. Correct. And I know that there was a lot of anger about that narrative getting out there immediately because the only person who was saying that was the officer who shot him correct so i mean i know i'm asking you to play reporter here but so how should you play that in a fair world how should that be played
2: that's a good point i mean but let's let's just take that a step further the officer made that statement that guy put it. I'm, I'm sure Rich Weiner at the time put that statement out because he was. The I can't remember. Yeah,
1: he was the spokesman at the time, but I I can't remember exactly who. But In yes, fact, that, I was standing that was, right
2: there when he gave that news report. Okay. That's what he said. But when the attorneys for that family released the autopsy report that completely showed that what the officer said was not factual. The only thing that happened to me was that, hey, this autopsy report got released. But when you're not me and you're not an investigator and you don't know what that means, It would be really great if the news would say, hey, this autopsy report completely contradicts the officer's statement. But they're not that strong with it. They just release the autopsy report and leave it to the public to figure it out. Whereas to me, I'm like, this is major. The officer said this kid is pointing a gun at at him. And yet the autopsy shows he was shot running away. It doesn't make any sense. And we don't question those things. You know, but even taking back to the Tyreek King case, if you want to go there with that, let's talk about the gun. Chief Jacobs held up this gun. A real real gun. No, she she held up the picture. But that wasn't the picture. No one has ever seen that gun. Sure. No one. This BB gun that Tyree King had, Their whole reason this officer claims he shot him, she's never shown that. What she did do, though, just to me, to skew the public's image of this child, was she held up a real gun and said, well, this is the gun, that. this is what it looked like. Well, why wouldn't you hold up the the gun that Tyree had? We're still, you know, we still want to see that. Right. You know, and I feel like that is the type of things that, I, you know, is to me, if I was a reporter and I was out there, maybe I didn't have editors down my back. I would be questioning that. Well, where's the real gun? Where's well, the BB gun?
1: I was covering. I was out there with you that day. Yeah. I was covering that. I asked her that.
2: Yeah. I mean, that to me. But see,
1: I didn't report that. Maybe I should have reported that I asked and she said she couldn't make it available. But now that I even think about that, I would just probably leave that out because it would have been newsworthy if I would have seen the gun. And compared it to the picture she held up, in my mind, I viewed it as, well, she couldn't provide me the weapon I asked her, so it's a non-starter for the moment, she and I would just leave that, that out. But you. maybe you're saying, I should have reported that we asked, and we were denied.
2: Absolutely. Why were you denied that? I would want to know why I was denied seeing a That's picture. That's fair. That's you a know, fair point. You, you held up a picture of another gun, hold up the picture of the actual gun that was at this crime scene, and... That has never been done. And I feel like those type images, as you know, you know, it really, really skews the, the public's view of things and to try to, you know, downplay and make this 13 year old child out to be a thug versus just saying he was in the neighborhood, wrong place, wrong time. I mean, there's things about that case that's public record, as you know, like. They weren't even looking for a child. How did a child get shot?
0: All right. Well, I think this might be a good stopping point. We had a great discussion, but I want to switch gears a little bit and do something a little fun and lighthearted. So back by popular demand, I thought it'd be fun if we played the Civics Questions trivia game today. Fine. Let's do this. All right. So just to remind everybody at home how the game works, Patrick are assistant. He's a podfather. Alright, so basically what's going to happen is this. Patrick is going to go to the U.S. Civics Practice Test Questions website and he is going to pick some questions from the site. None of us have prior knowledge of the answers. Allegedly. So how this works, Patrick is going to read out the question. If you know the answer to the question, you say your name and then Patrick will call on you and then you answer the question. Okay. If you get the answer wrong, then the next person who knows the answer will yell at their name and they get a chance and so whoever has (laughs) the most correct answers at the end wins the game here we
3: go the first question says what is an amendment
0: scott an amendment is a change to the constitution a change yeah he's right
3: all right the second question says what do we call the first 10 amendments to the constitution lucas bill of rights All right. I'm not quick at all. No. (laughs) You got to be better (laughs) wake up. (laughs) Better wake up.
2: I knew both of those answers. I'm just like, "Mm."
3: okay, let's do this. Go. Okay. The third question says, who is in charge of the executive branch? Scott, the president. Yep. Okay. The fourth question says, who makes federal laws? Lucas, Congress. Yep. Yeah. It says Congress. Senate and House and U.S. or national. Was he supposed to name all of those? All of
2: those? I feel like he shouldn't get that. No, point. Congress is right. <laughs> Congress <laughs> is correct. Nobody mm-hmm.
3: knows the Senate and that's House. That's one or... of the. Yeah. Okay. That's all right, one of we'll them, them listed. Time. He gets half a point. The next one says, we elect a U.S. Senator for how many years? Scott, six years. Eh. Yeah. No, six. He's right. <laughs> oh, a cent. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Score is three, two. I don't need to say who has the three. Mm. The next question says, we elect a U.S. representative for how many years? Oh, Lucas. Four. Two. Mm. <laughs> oh! 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 The next question says, who does a U.S. senator represent? Cerise, Their state? All I mean, the people it. of the state. Okay. Wow! Yes. Ah!
2: Don't call it a comeback, ladies was and gentlemen. Was that a total guess? I seriously, no, it wasn't a guess. I just felt like that answer was so easy. I you could have like, said I constituents. It was gonna, I could have. <laughs> You're right. I can't even spell that.
1: No, I think he was looking for state. Three, two, one. Three, two, one.
2: Who has one? Who you think? It could not be me. Yes. I took Lucas' okay. point. No. Yeah, she's
3: Here's got three, two, two. The next question says, before he was president, Eisenhower was a general. What war was he Scott, in? Scott, World War Two. Oh, World War Two. Yes. Yeah. You, were,
2: oh, you right. were
0: about to say one. <laughs> yeah. He was about to. He was, he, he's, he's but like, uh. I didn't. It's, actually, not, it's not about
2: what I was going went. to do. It's, it's you actually about, about what, what I <laughs> did. <laughs> you went
0: one. Score is four
1: to two. All right. So we got to close these out or else we're done.
2: I would never get my citizenship in this country.
3: <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to softball
2: you guys. Here's an easy one.
3: I'm about to finish y'all. Go ahead. When do we celebrate Independence Day? Lucas.
2: Oh, sorry. Oh, I know that one.
3: What is it, Lucas? July 4th. Yes. The next question says, name two S national U.S. holidays. Scott. Go ahead.
2: National holidays, Martin Luther King. Yes. Yeah. One. And two would be Veterans Day.
3: Yes. Wow. Winner takes all. This is it. Ooh. <laughs> the final question says, when was the Constitution written? Lucas. Lucas. Do
1: I have to give the month and date? Yeah. No, 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 no.
3: Just the year, just the year. 1776.
2: No. Three. <laughs> <Sweet. laughs> yeah. Go
3: ahead. 1876? Nope. Oh shit. Scott. 1696. Nope. The answer says 1787. What?
2: I think hmm. Lucas is correct. I think they're wrong. Did you
3: say 16?
2: I <laughs> <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> because y'all had, we went, y'all had already
0: done. You say 16. Y'all had already done the other two uh, many, I mean, years.
2: <laughs> he said, did well, you, you say Well, you still should have went forward. <laughs>
0: What, uh, 18, 1896? I thought Lucas was I mean, on. did you say six? I mean, bro. <laughs> well, that was fun. But no, seriously, Cerise, thank you so yeah. much for coming in. It was a great conversation. Bless. Thanks again for tuning in. And please come back and join us again for another episode. And remember to try to see things from the other side. Thanks.